Welcome to another episode of the Haskin Cast Podcast. I am your host, Scott Haskin, here with the second half of Debbie Gibson's album, Anything is Possible. And uh, got the first side of the what would have been the vinyl album done, or the cassette, I guess. And we are back on the second one. Now, uh, there are there is a surprise at the end that obviously you will be insanely excited about and well worth listening to this entire episode. So where we last left off, what left off? Jeez, I haven't recorded a podcast in a couple of days. Where we last left off, we were covering the song Lead Them Home My Dreams, which is the final song on side A. We're moving on to song B. This was a single called One Hand, One Heart. This is an absolutely beautiful ballad. There's no doubt about that. And I remember watching her perform this on Regis and Kathy Lee. Yes, I said Kathy Lee. So this would have been back when she was still on the show. Um, The thing that I find interesting about this is the majority of the song, a, a little bit later, we get some strings, but it's basically just piano and her voice, a lot of reverb and some delay. It's very natural, very honest. And I've seen her perform it on the show. So I know that, you know, it's, it's not just uh, programmed or whatever. She actually did play it and can play the whole thing, which is nice, you know, Um, but it's a really cool vocal, obviously very passionate. There's a nice little bridge in it that I don't know, the, the bridge is a little weird to me without having anything to back it up to really show a difference. Like with some of the other songs, you get a different beat, you get a big like, dun, dun, dun kind of intro into it to let you know that there's a bridge coming. And here it just kind of flows into the bridge because it's just such a flowy piano piece and there's no instrumentation, no build up to it. So it's a little bit weird, um, but it, it's a really nice bridge, to be honest. Um, yeah, I really like this song. It's not one that I listen to a lot, but I do I do actually really like it. Well done, Debbie. Let's move on to the song that sold me on this album in the first place. This one is called Sure. Didn't know anymore Thought 
Yeah, I love that chorus. It's really powerful. Um, this, to me, I think is one of, if not the best song for her, for her backing vocals and harmonies and layers. There's so much going on in here, and uh, I really dig it. There is a second half to the chorus. The first time you don't get it, um, the rest of the time, subsequently, you'll get them. I think one starts with the second half. And um, yeah, but there's some really cool just just harmony layers in here. So I'm going to play you another part of the song that is actually what sold me on this whole album and why uh, from the first time I heard it, I was like, yeah, that's okay. Yeah, that's okay. And when I got to this part, I'm like, okay, I really need to pay more attention to this because I think there's more I can appreciate than I was at the time. And I went back and started the tape over and listened from the beginning. And absolutely, yeah, I really did. So here's that. So yeah, some really cool harmonic layers. That's a bit of a broken chorus, the way that um, she filled in the first part differently than she would have normally, which I like. I, I thought it was actually a, a really cool way of doing things instead of just repeating the chorus over and over again and, and it getting a little bit stale or, or boring. She found a way to, to break it up and do something a little bit different, lead it into the second half of the, of the regular full chorus and uh, very nicely done, I have to say. Yeah, that's that's always been a favorite of mine. And so... Um, this song caused me to have more appreciation for the album. I don't think I was really giving it the full credit listening to it the first time as I was until I got to this. And I'm like, all right, just, just dude, go back. Let's listen again. And uh, boy, I'm really glad I did. Because I think otherwise I might have just dismissed this as, yeah, it's pretty good. And, and maybe gone back to it another point. But um, yeah. And I remember when this was too, because I, I got the tape. And I don't think I even listened to it right away. And then I think it was when I was, I was driving back and forth to something. I can't remember what it was. And I just grabbed it and brought it with me. And that was the first time I really listened to it and had that experience. So uh, I just remember I was on the highway a lot. I don't remember where I was or where I was going. So um, good times. Anyway, that would have been probably around 92, I want to say. Um, but great song. So let's move on to our next song. It's called Negative Energy.
The synth bass in this is really wild. Um, the places she chose to put notes is is fascinating to me because it's they just kind of feel like they appear that there's no real rhythm to them because they're not playing something that's more consistent, not like bum 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 bum, you know, not not like um a bass riff or anything. They're just kind of like spotty. And that's really bizarre. I think this song could have benefited from a live bass, maybe with a little bit of distortion on it to uh, thicken it up a little bit. But um, overall, it does, and I think that makes the song sound a little bit thin because there are a lot of gaps in the low end. Um, overall, it's pretty decent. There's a, there's a fun rap part that she does. Um, I've never been a big fan of that personally. Uh, it always just seemed a little bit cheesy to me. But um, overall, it's a pretty decent song. Not one of my favorites. Uh, I like the feel of the percussion. But um, overall, the song is kind of, uh, you know, bland. There are some some, you know, cool like little things that just pop in and out really quick. So there's like a lot of different instruments and things that go on. But overall, um, I would say I listen to it maybe one out of every five times I listen to the album. And um, that's probably been a couple years. So um, not not a huge one on my list that I would recommend on a mixtape. But the next one would be this is called Mood Swings. really love the mood of this song. I love the bass line much better on this. It's got a groove to it, which is nice. Uh, again, another one with really great vocal layering. But I think for me, what really gets me about this song is the mood more than anything. Um, it does have a nice bridge in it, which which I'm a big fan of in this song. Um, but the mood is just so great. You know, um, I feel like there should be a different color light in the room, you know, uh, instead of having like the white uh, bulb in the lamp, there should be like a blue or a red or orange or something. It just, there's just a tone to it that I really like. Um, and again, the baseline is really good. Percussion is always nice. She's very good at, at um, programming percussion, I have to say, but sometimes it's a little too rigid. Um, it, 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 there would be a little bit nicer flow to it. I think if it was more human and not everything perfect um, on the beats all the time, um, and I say that as a drummer, so, uh, but yeah, a cool song. I, I really dig this one. That's one that I've, I always look forward to whenever I get out this album. And I think part of the reason I'm happy to skip negative energy is because I'm ready to get to mood swings. Um, another one I really like for pretty much the same reason is called try.
The song does get much bigger and, um, you know, full drums come in and all that. But I do like the gentle intro and lead. And I think the song has a great build to it. Um, I have to say, though, this is maybe my favorite bridge of hers. She's so good at them. Really, she is. And um, she's very good at the pop song structure, whether this was, you know, her working by herself or working with Lamont Dozier. I don't know. But in any case, she's very, very good at setting up that song structure and making it interesting and not just musically, but vocally as well. So I'm going to play the bridge for you just because I love it so much. Yeah, there's some really good passion in the middle of that, which I, I really appreciate. Um, I think she nails it right at the right point, like just when it really needs to hit. And I think that's one of the things that's so attractive to me about her music is she knows how to find those dynamics that make the song have that extra touch that sometimes, you know, I hear a lot of bands, they'll put in a bridge, but it's just it just sounds like a different verse or a different chorus. And um, there's a lot that typically goes on with her dynamically. They're usually more dramatic changes musically than um, I hear bands doing sometimes. So I think that's a big part of it for me. Um, but anyway, yeah, cool song. I, I really dig this one. The next one is called In His Mind. Another one that the mood on this album is really just perfect for me. I, I really love the atmosphere that this album creates. Um, interesting thing, this song does not have a bridge, but 
um, it does kind of go off into a little bit of a musical and vocal journey where it's almost like the madness of not knowing what this person is thinking is kind of taking the storyteller over a little bit. And you can feel the the frustration and the the swimming of all the different questions going on. It's actually really cool. I, I really like it. Um, so it's it's one I would definitely, well, I mean, I, I would encourage you to listen to them all and decide for yourself whether you like them or not. But this is one I could say, um, I think this would, would be one of interest. Um, if, if this kind of music interests you, this might be one that you'd want to go check out all the way through um, if you haven't bought the album already. Because I know by my amazing descriptions of these songs, you've probably bought it on CD, you're checking Discogs for it on vinyl, you're finding it hard to find at a good price because for some reason it is kind of a rarity. And here's what's really weird about that to me. Maybe it's supply and demand, like maybe the people that have it just haven't put it out there for sale, but there's not a lot available at a good price. Definitely when we get to the next album, there's almost none at a a reasonable price. And I can't imagine that there would have been a short run of vinyl given the success that she had, but maybe by the album, by the fourth album, there was, you know, um, maybe after Electric Youth. No, the Electric Youth sold really well. So I would have expected this album would have had a heavy vinyl release. Maybe not the next one, if this one didn't do as well. I I don't know. I, I just, I don't know. The whole thing is really weird to me. It just seems like there would be a ton of them out there. There are a lot on CD and cassette, but not on vinyl. Very fascinating to me. So that is the one I do not have of the ones that I would want is the one that we'll get to when we get back to Debbie at some point, um, probably uh, sometime early, maybe first quarter of next year when we go and finish out the last album I plan to cover from her. Uh, So that was in his mind. Now we're moving on to a song called Where Have You Been? Doesn't sound suspicious at all. Again, another one with a really nice build. Uh, I love the mood of the song. I, you know, I do get tired of the sound of piano, but this one, I think it really works. Um, For me, I've just heard so much piano in my life and there's so many other wonderful sounds to hear out there. I do get very, very tired of it. Um, But I know James Sizemore is coming out with a new album and I'm sure there will be a lot of piano on it. And I'm very excited to hear that. He's, he's definitely one of my favorite um, artists and, uh, He's one of the few people that every time he comes out with something, it makes it okay to listen to piano again for me. So a uh, big fan of his his work. 
Um, but anyway, this song. So this song also has another one of my favorite bridges in it. And I'm um, just going to play it for you. Interesting that my two favorite bridges go into guitar parts, although the other one was a little bit more of a solo. Um, in typical Debbie Gibson fashion, just this mini little solo that kind of goes on in the background. But um, yeah, I really like that part. I love the feel of it. I love the way it changes the song. Again, it's a very abrupt turn for what the rest of the song is. And then it just kind of gently goes back into the song again. Very well done. I would say one thing that is a, a bit of a deterrent for me, other than that bridge, is the length of the song. It's a little over six minutes. Um, the chorus is very long, and that really bulks up the time of the song because she is very repetitive in, in doing multiple choruses. And um, if it's already long on top of doing it several times, that just really pushes the length of the song to a kind of unnecessary point. Um, I do like her choruses, but they tend to be very long sometimes. And this would this song would be an example of that. Um, our final track on the album, and you're looking at the time wondering, why is there so much time? Well, we'll get there. Just calm down. What was that phrase I heard recently? Calm your tits. I don't know why that is funny to me, but it's funny. Um, anyway, this so-called miracle. Yeah, there is a bridge in this one. It doesn't vary as much. It's not as abrupt of change as it is in some of the other ones. Um, the deterrent for this one is this song is, what, seven minutes and 28 seconds. And it is, it's just a long journey. Um, I think it's passionate. I think it's one that you could listen to in full now and then. But I would say it, it just kind of tends to, it just repeats. And I, I think they really could have cut this down to a good five minutes and still had a very solid song. Um, but again, the chorus is very long. So that uh, adds up. 
Um, it is a good song. It's a good album ender too. I, I have to say, I think it um, it really wraps things up nicely. Does it make me want to? This is the question I always ask myself. Does the final ending of the last song on the official album make me want to start the album over again? And in this case, I would say no, it doesn't. Um, I'm pretty worn out after this one, and I want to move on to something else. I think if the song had been maybe four, four and a half minutes, I could probably say there was a much better chance that I would have wanted to just flip the tape back over and listen to this again, uh, or in the case of the CD, just restart it or, you know, whatever. Um, but as it is, no, I don't think so. And that's a big deterrent for me, um, for the overall album, because it should, the ending should make me want to just take that journey again right now. And this one doesn't, um, it's a decent song. Don't get me wrong, but boy, it just, it just goes on way too long. So here's the, uh, surprise. I did decide to cover the two bonus tracks. I know on the last episode, um, I, I was kind of debating on whether I was going to do anything with it or not. And I have decided to cover them. So I've never heard them. I'm going to listen to them uh, for the first time and then talk about them. The first one is called So Close to Forever. It's a beautiful song. And that sounds like I'm trying to describe somebody's blind date as having a nice personality. No, really, it is. It's a very lovely song. Uh, it's got some good passion in it, but I, I can imagine the reason that they would have left this off of the album was one of the songs that we heard earlier today. In fact, our first track of this podcast, One Hand, One Heart. You've already got a piano uh, vocal ballad. Um, this is very similar in, in tempo and in feeling. I would say this one might have a little bit more emotion in it, but I think that one hand, one heart is probably better on radio play. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a good song. I think it could have, could have stood being on the album if it weren't for that. So, uh, I'll say that, but cool song. I'll, I'll definitely listen to it again. Um, our last song and the other bonus track that comes from the deluxe edition, apart from all the, you know, club remixes and stuff like that, that I don't really care about, um, is called the most beautiful love song. And that is not setting a high expectation at all, is it? Okay. Just based on that alone, I'm going to say, no, it is not. Um, it, it's a nice intro. Don't get me wrong, but that, uh, sounds a little bit cheesy. You know, it reminds me, a title like that reminds me of when Barry Manilow said, uh, had that song, I write the songs, the whole world sings. I mean, in his case, he's pretty much right, but you know.
It's it's a good song, um, but but it's another ballady thing. Instead of piano, we've got electric piano. Um, really has again the kind of same feel, so it's understandable why it was not chosen to be a part of the album. Um, could I mean they could have released these as singles or something, but um, yeah, I, I get it. And there's I mean when you're getting to bonus tracks, a lot of times there's a reason why they're bonus tracks, right? And um, there's three songs competing for the same slot on the album and only one of them is going to get it. And they chose the one they chose. I think they made the best decision, to be honest. I, I think One Hand, One Heart is um, definitely the best one to be in that space. But overall, yeah, I love the album. Um, not um, not terribly impressed with the bonus tracks, I'm sorry to say. But uh, overall, yeah, this album um, is, is really special. It's got some great bridges. I love the mood of it. The atmosphere is just incredible. Um, I kind of remembered what was going on in my life now when I found this album and, um, that's probably part of it. Uh, it was, it was of some level of comfort to me, I think during a particularly difficult time. So, um, yeah, that's, that's going to add on top of the nostalgia, you know, it's music is something that people tend to lean on and, uh, this being something new, it didn't, it, it fit that, that slot, right? Because music that I already knew, they already have their associative memories. Um, sometimes, you know, those things can trade properties in the middle of a crisis or a situation or an emotional time or whatever. But mainly it's going to be whatever you hear around that time is going to attach itself to that particular time. Um, I did revisit it uh, sometime later, though, when I was driving around at night delivering newspapers for the Denver Post in Colorado Springs. And I would drop off to, um, you know, convenience stores, grocery stores, the newspaper racks that you used to see out on the street. You younger folks might not even know what that is because I think they've been gone for a long time now. Um, but uh, there was, you know, you're just in the car for like five or six hours. So it was always, you know, what what music do I want to listen to tonight? And I grabbed this this tape quite often, as I recall. Um, it, it was on heavy rotation during that time. So uh, much, much as the next one, Mind, Body, and Soul. I think, I think it was when Mind, Body, Soul came out that I was doing that, and then I brought this tape out to revisit it because it was like it was far enough from that that time where I wanted to give it another chance and see if I could listen to it without all that associated memory. And um, so I remember like really getting into this album again around that time. But yeah, it's it's a cool album for sure. I think there's a lot of good stuff on it. I think as as usual with pop music, there's a lot of repetition in, in the choruses, um, songs that are too long that really could be cut down. And remember, producers were looking at things differently back then. It would be the, all right, what are the, the radio play songs? We're going to chop those down to radio play time. The rest, you can kind of do what you want with. And um, I don't think that they really worked those as hard, to be honest, as far as um, looking at them objectively, because they knew they were album tracks. That's just my opinion. I have no factual data on that, but it seems fairly consistent with a lot of albums I've heard where they're like, the hits are the ones you focus on, everything else, you just be an artist. As long as it fits the theme, as long as you're not saying anything that's controversial, then we'll be fine. Go have fun with your little music game. And that's the way it was. But uh, yeah, I look forward to to visiting her her fourth album, Mind, Body, and Soul. I think that'll be a lot of fun. 
And we'll, uh, you know, we'll see what treasures that brings. In the meantime, thank you so much for checking out another episode of the Haskin Cast podcast. We'll be back with another episode before you know it or after you know it. Cheers. Cheers.